2: Welcome to the Power of Natural Healing. This is Howard Strauss, your host. We're brought to you by Gerson Health Media, where you can look in and uh, find all kinds of great information about maintaining your good health, uh, recovering your health, uh, even from the most serious uh, chronic diseases. Uh, and read testimonials and Dr. Gerson's publications and uh, lots of great information. Check into it. Leave us your email address, which we will use only to notify you of, uh, of events, programs, guests, and um, uh, new releases that we've come to um, that we brought to you. Today we have a friend of the show and a personal friend as well. Uh, Eric Merilla, an internationally award-winning documentary film director who, uh, directed and released two versions of, uh, his, uh, great documentary, uh, Brzezinski the Movie, which, uh, had made, got worldwide distribution and, uh, detailed the atrocity of the FDA suppressing Dr. Brzezinski's, uh, um, anti-neoplaston uh, d- uh substance that uh, really really helped people with cancer far better than any kind of uh, any kind of chemotherapy or radiation or anything else and the FDA waged a relentless uh jihad against him uh trying to put him in jail take away his license do whatever they could to stop him from having the patent on a cancer cure um, very powerful film i highly highly recommend it Uh, Eric has just completed another film uh, about uh, more medical suppression and uh, uh, unconscionable uh, unconscionable, and unethical uh, and literally criminal uh, behavior by the um, Memorial Sloan-Kettering Cancer Research Center. Um, I'll let Eric tell you about that. Eric, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming on.
3: Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, essentially the new movie I just released uh, called Second Opinion, (Leotril at Sloan Kettering, it's, it's this particular story that opened up my eyes to this entire world of um, sort of the medical industry squashing uh, new innovation that competes with its own market and, uh, and, and it's, its tactics to go about trying to get rid of the competition in, in that way. and. It was basically back around 2007. I was living in New York City, long train rides home after work. I picked up a book called The Cancer Industry from a used bookstore. Never heard of it, knew nothing about it, but the title alone looked interesting. And I think I may have paid a dollar for it. And uh, I just became sort of enamored by it because not only it was written by a man named Ralph Moss, who uh, at the time what uh, the, the, the book is sort of based upon or inspired upon is his time, his five years at Memorial Stone kettering Cancer Center in the 1970s, right after the war on cancer had just been enacted. And he was one of their public relations guys. And uh, the short of it is he became friends with uh, one of their head scientists, uh, uh, an old Japanese fellow named Dr. Kanamatsu Europe who was actually an original co-founder of chemotherapy. He, he pioneered the idea of using mice To uh, study new compounds before testing them in people, he before it was a common practice to have mice as testing grounds. They would he would go to the basement of New York Hospital with buckets and catch mice. He'd go to pet stores and look for mice with tumors and bring them back to his lab. So, to fast forward a little bit, you know Ralph is already friends with this guy. He was their PR guy, and he was actually assigned the task of writing a biography about this man because he was such a fixture at Sloan Kettering for so long, and it was an honest you know, scientist. And um, anyway, uh, while he was writing the biography or studying it, he asked him what he was currently working on because he knew he was coming to the lab every day. And he said, I'm working on amygdalin. And it took Ralph a minute to realize that amygdalin is the same substance as the Laetrile that people were going to Tijuana to get. That was uh, all over the news. It was on the cover of Newsweek. And um, he was very shocked. And why are you working on this if it's useless? And uh, Dr. Subiura continued to show him his lab work over the last few years at the time and then, and showed him that it hadn't been working. It wasn't any sort of magic bullet. It had a hard time uh, penetrating the initial tumor, but it did a very good job, which is the name of the game, and that is stopping the spread of the cancer. And, of course, you had a placebo group versus a treated group, and he used every mouse model he you could, you could get his hands on. And across the board, it stopped, laetrile or amygdalin stopped metastases in 80%
2: of the mice across the board. 80%, did, that's that's a very high number, because especially since conventional chemotherapy has an effectiveness rate after five years of 2%, of, of
3: 2%. Correct, and even make the story more interesting is that they, the heads of some Kettering had taken a mouse model off the shelf that they had shelved previously. It was called the CD8F1. I won't bore you with more details on that, but they took it off the shelf thinking, well, because they they shelved it because no chemotherapeutic agent they had ever tested had ever shown any efficacy in this one particular mouse model. So, perhaps out of prejudice against Laetrile, because they weren't excited about testing it, they were sort of pressured to test it because it it was all over the news and so many people were uh, seeking it, Um, they unshelved this mouse model, and then, to their unbelievable surprise, it had an eighty percent reduction in metastases in this mouse model when nothing they'd ever tested of the tens of thousands of substances had ever done anything with this mouse model, so it just to add more um, you know add more uh, conflict to the whole situation and um, basically, Ralph witnessed this, he was excited about it, and then unannounced to him at the time. The heads of Sloan Kettering went down to Washington, D.C. in 1974 and again in 1975 uh, pleading with the FDA, the National Cancer Institute, and the NIH uh, asking them to move forward into human clinical trials since their, their preclinical trials were doing so well. And the short of it is, well, Sloan Kettering is certainly at fault, but what happened was the U.S. government forced Sloan Kettering to cover up their own results. They, they wouldn't let them go any farther and said, no, no, you have to bury this. So the heads of some catering had to either toe the line, keep their jobs, or um, you know blow the whistle on this and lose their jobs.
2: Oh, was that was that the FDA that uh, did that, or the NCI? Well, what was the um, agency?
3: Um, it was a collection of all of them. It's the, the actual order to cover it up is sort of up to upper speculation. But we do have, and I include in the film, documents obtained via the Freedom of Information Act back in the 70s, uh, obtained by a senator at the time that had the minutes of these internal meetings. So in 1974, you have the, all of the heads of St. Kettering boasting about their own studies and, and basically saying, we need to move to the next level and open clinical trials. Um they didn't let them, even though it's not in the minutes, all they do know is based on the timing, uh, because we know the date of this meeting, it was after um, this, this meeting and then the second meeting that suddenly all of the heads of Sloan Kettering began to say that all of their studies failed. And then the cover-up began. Um, it was a, and then this, the, the documentary goes through this whole process of what happened. And since Ralph was the PR guy, or one of them, it was a sort of assistant to, to the director. It was his job to write these press releases saying that Lantrill didn't work when he knew darn well it did work. So there, so the story itself is a little different than what I've anything I've ever done. The Brzezinski story, I will admit, is definitely an advocacy piece. I show patience. I uh, show the struggles they go through, especially in the sequel. This film is more about a, a, what a whistleblower has to deal with. Um, so it's sort of like a Daniel Ellsberg or an Edward Snowden story, where here's a guy in his early 30s, has a wife and two children. He's got a job he's incredibly excited about. He's feeling like... Uh, maybe a little naive, feeling like, wow, you know, he's a he's a very socially conscious person. Uh, he was a big opponent against the Vietnam War, and you know, that kind of guy, uh, like a product of the '60s. And he felt, wow, I can settle down into this position because who cannot argue with the war on cancer? There's no left and right paradigm going into it. Um, of course, now we know what a debacle the war on cancer has become. But when it was first released and first announced. Everyone was fairly excited about it, even though we had the question, well, Nixon behind it, of course, as well. There's a whole long road we can go down. But it's his struggle of dealing with his conscience versus keeping his job. So what he did was, he, uh, as he said, you know, I guess this is why people leak documents all the time. I wanted to have my cake and to eat it. I wanted to keep my good job, but also have a clean conscience. And the short of it is, well, he was, right? I know. He leaked it all, He leaked it to the New York Times. Uh, Jane Grody, who's the health editor, who's still there, who's been there since... Since the 60s. Uh, he released it to her. She basically ignored all of the data and wrote a negative report, which was shocking to him, because he couldn't believe that someone, a member of the press, would lie about, you know, um, promising data. He put his, you know, risked his neck to release to her, and um, so then he had to go down other channels. The long and short of it is that eventually, after everything came to a head, he eventually put his face on the one that's been leaking it, and um, and and everything, you know, he got fired, and uh, everything sort of fell apart. And it, but it led him down a road where. He didn't. Uh, he didn't just let this go by. He became sort of obsessed and very interested in this field of both scientific journalism and also understanding the, the bureaucratic underpinnings of the industry itself. So, and he even went on to be a. He worked with Senator Harkin uh, later on, back in the early '90s, to open the NIH's Office of Alternative Medicine, which is a great step forward. And unfortunately, it didn't really amount to what we would all hope to would amount to. Which, if it's the Office of Alternative Medicine, then that would be meaning that they would start putting person therapy into clinical trials, Brzezinski therapy into clinical trials. But, of course, none of that occurred because it was far too controversial, and Washington, D.C. shies away from controversy. So it kind of became this sort of numb, complacent entity. But nonetheless, he did create it and did try to make it happen. He told me some really fascinating stories um, when he was an advisor for the NIH's Office of Alternative Medicine. Like one quick example, he was standing up at the podium. He, He told everyone um that he was going to be announcing that we're going to open up clinical trials for Brzezinski's therapy, uh, under the Office of Alternative Medicine. And they told they warned him that he he would not be allowed to do so. And he said, Well, I'm sorry, I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> said, I'm going to advisor. <laughs> so he gets up to the podium and they cut the power on him in front of about a hundred people. And these are all the old players like um who's now at the uh Kettering today, all these old players that are still around were in this meeting, and uh, they openly and blatantly blocked Ralph's ability to even you know go forward with this. So just that's just a small example of what you know uh, we're up against when could, fighting this monster. Uh, could you, could you they do not want to lose control? So.
2: Could you uh, could you hold that thought for a moment, Eric? Uh, we have a break sure. coming up um, in, uh, in in just a, a minute. We have um, this is uh, we're listening to uh, we're, we're listening. We our guest is Eric Marilla, who has just released a movie about this the, uh, un, the unbelievable suppression um, by Memorial Sloan Kettering of their own research at the direction of our government and all the uh, all the cancer agencies in our government. Uh, who were uh, when when uh, Memorial Sloan Kettering's very famous uh, researcher uh, was uh, was finding good results uh, from from a um, uh, from a natural product Laetrile, uh that came from Afri- apricot pits rather than from the synthetic uh, chemical industry. Um, we'll be uh, we'll be back right after the break. Please stay with us. This is the power of natural healing brought to you by Gerson Health Media at Gersonmedia.com where you can find all kinds of great information, including books, media, uh, DVDs, uh, blu-ray discs, testimonials, and uh, Dr. Gersons uh, Dr. Gerson's own publications. And, um, and we'll be back right after the break. Please stay with us.
1: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness.
2: This is your host, Howard Strauss, and I want to let you know about the special offers we have just for you on the earthing products. The first includes a bed pad, an earthing mat, the earthing book, and all of the accessories you need. Together, these items sell for more than $300, but you can buy them now for 199 To see this kit and all of the Earthing specials, visit our website at gersonmedia.com slash earthing. Again, that's gersonmedia.com slash earthing.
0: We'll help you with the facts, planning, and grief experienced with different forms and stages of cancer. Listen every Friday at 12 noon U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.
1: The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv today.
2: Folks, thanks for staying with us. This is Howard Strauss, your host. We're brought to you by Gerson Health Media at GersonMedia.com and we invite you to look in on GersonMedia.com for all kinds of great information, books, DVDs, uh, testimonials, Dr. Gerson's papers, uh, for information on how to recover, maintain, and, uh, extend your good health and your, and, and that of your family, your community, and the planet. So, we are talking with, uh, Eric Merilla, uh, a superb international prize-winning, uh, director and producer of documentaries, uh, the director, producer of uh, Brzezinski, the movie, and, um, and he's telling us about the, uh, t- suppression by Sloan Kettering, Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Research Center of its own promising cancer, um, c- cancer research that actually looked like it was going to result in, in a useful substance uh, by one of the most famous cancer researchers uh, in the United States. Uh, and uh, and it, it suppressed this information. And uh, Eric has made a, made a movie about it called Second Opinion. And, uh, that's gonna be out there real soon. Eric, could you tell us a little bit about how you got involved in, in making this second movie after you'd already done, made such a success with Brzezinski the movie?
3: Sure. When I when I mentioned earlier, I had found a book called The Cancer Industry, and that was written by Ralph Moss. Um, this book was published. It's been it's been revised a few times, but I think the original publication was around 1980. And uh, after Ralph was fired for telling the truth. He figured, if this could happen right in front of me, surely it's happened elsewhere. So he, being a researcher and a scientific journalist, at least at that point, he had graduated into one. His background has always been in writing. He got his PhD in humanities from Stanford. And um, anyway, so he said, wow, maybe I can look around to see if this has ever happened elsewhere. And that's. And he had other chapters other than his own experience. He had a chapter on the Gerson therapy. He had a chapter on Dr. Brzezinski and a guy named Dr. Burton and uh, several others. And it sort of, a, a light bulb went off. I'd always wanted to make my own documentary film, and uh, I'd worked on other films, but I'd never had directed one on my own. And I felt that, wow, this could be a perfect, uh, you know, format because, if you, yeah, I also wanted to discover for myself, so I uh, started talking to everybody. I, um, you know, I uh, reached out to Brzezinski, I reached out to Ralph, I reached out to you, I reached out to Gonzalez, I reached out to anyone and everyone that I could find that was in a relationship to this book. And it's kind of funny. I, had, I never mentioned this before to anyone, but I was so naive going into it that I put together a four-part series the pitch to HBO and other networks because I had connections to HBO. Uh, you know, a chapter on Laetrile, a chapter on Kristen, a chapter on Gonzalez, a chapter on Brzezinski. And I well, had a rude awakening <laughs> uh, because they were, no one was interested in it and uh, they thought it was just, just bonkers crazy, you know. So I, you know, then I, I, I whittled it down and I for, for whatever reason, I for some reason the Brzezinski story stuck out more to me not for any reason of prejudice, only be, only because he went up on the front lines against the Food and Drug Administration and won. And he's in official clinical testing, which is unheard of for a so-called alternative doctor or someone who has invented something that is so-called alternative. You don't get allowed... You're not allowed to participate in the FDA trial process to get it approved for market. And that's really what intrigued me the most. And, uh, the short of it is, uh, it was hard to gain his trust. You know, um, uh, he let me into his world. You know, meanwhile, I'm still, while I'm interviewing Brzezinski patients, I visited you and your mother, Charlotte. We went to Tijuana together and looked at the wonderful clinic you have there, met some uh, patients there. And, uh, it just, overall, it just opened up my whole world to it. But the reason Second Opinion brings us back around full circle, it's more, it's really personal to me because it, it was Ralph's story and this Lantrill cover-up that opened up the first door for me. And, uh, it's really nice to be able to go back and, uh, be able to do that story. So, even though, like, I, I, I'm very proud of the film, but it's a much different film than the Brzezinski stories that I've told. And in that, it's, uh, you know, I'm not advocating anything. I'm just telling a story that happened. And Lantrell happened to be caught in the middle of all of this chaos of lies and deceit, uh, and to protect the bottom
2: line. So. Well, and and the problem is, uh, more than anything else, is that it's a natural product, and it's not Correct. something that you can patent.
3: That's the biggest problem, and it's sort of like the marijuana problem. Um, you know, now it's really exciting to see this little marijuana opening up, but the point is is that, I don't want to go down the marijuana road, the point is is that it's a natural product that g- grows on this planet, and if... if the FDA did not interfere and allowed everyone to just go with this and have the freedom to choose this therapy if they wanted to. Um, you know, any general practitioner can make it in the back of his office. Anyone can produce it. Anyone with a minor chemistry degree could make this stuff, and that is something that cannot be allowed because you're, the FDA has no regulation over it. Um, they have no control over it. And one of uh, I have a quote in second opinion by FDA Commissioner Voda. He said. Who's going to pay $70,000 for a new, care ther- new chemotherapy drug when they can get Laetrile for 75 cents?
2: Yeah, that's exactly.
3: That's exactly <laughs> what it comes down to. That's that's the <laughs> bottom line in that.
2: all all of these. Uh, any any cancer uh, any cancer therapy that's natural has exactly that problem. Who's going to pay seventy thousand dollars when they can get a very effective cure for seventy five cents? Here's here's a here's an interesting little thing that happened. Since I'm in California, you're in California now. Um, some years ago, it was discovered that bitter almonds contain more laotrill than apricot pits. Bitter almonds. It could
3: be. It and, could be. I mean bitter almonds, yeah.
2: And Sorry. so and so uh within uh within a very, very short time after that um, announcement or after that discovery, the FDA uh required that all um, almonds in California be steam sterilized. Mm-hmm. Uh, because so to prevent the e coli outbreak they use that excuse every time they want to uh, they want to destroy something um, and and um and so you know every almond coming out of california must now be steamed sterilized or radiation sterilized or whatever it is to to destroy the Laetrile, uh because they don't want anybody to be able to get that, that substance obviously they have great great faith in it so they don't want anybody to have have access to it. Yeah, it's yeah.
3: I mean, back in the day, they were even outlawing the importation of apricot pits themselves. So that was illegal to import apricot pits.
2: Yeah, and, in the and 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 what's yeah. even worse now is that uh, is that here the the uh, apricots that are grown right here in California by the ton uh, have mm-hmm. more lead in them than apricot pits and they couldn't allow that so they had to destroy the whole industry literally because now people people don't want to buy california almonds anymore because they they taste different they uh, they have a different uh, uh different texture uh and uh, they just go elsewhere i mean people grow almonds elsewhere uh so so uh the fda really destroyed the whole industry just so that they could uh, get rid of uh, laetrile in, in 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 our almonds
3: yeah that's right yeah, speaking of that, um, since we're talking about um, almonds and people eating them, um, I think, you know, uh, in hopes of gaining, uh, getting laetrile in their system, what um, should be pointed out that it goes over a lot of people's heads is that um, the specifics, and that is when Phone catering tested it, they used injectable laetrile. Yes. And they, they did a lot of extensive testing and they discovered that ingesting it orally um, the enzymes release the cyanide they get, often prematurely and if you eat a lot of them, it can be toxic to you. But the injectable form, as the vice president said of Sloan Kettering that I have uh, the document of his quote, saying laiatril is as non-toxic as glucose as long as it's injected. Um, orally there is residue of cyanide that could potentially be toxic in large amounts. So I just thought it'd be, it's important to point that out because when I first heard about this, I was eating apricot pits and you know thinking you know, but um, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but I just think it's important for people to understand that the, the data that was done, collected under the uh, highest of scrutiny and under the highest of scientific conditions, it was all done with the injectable form. So I just want people to understand that, that there's a big Well, you know, uh, on,
2: on, the other, uh, on the other hand, I'm not 100% sure of, uh, of the toxicity because remember that uh, also uh, vitamin B12, uh, mm-hmm. it has a component of cyanide as well it's called it's actually called cyanocobalamin mm-hmm. uh, and yeah. um, b 12 is uh, non toxic it's a vitamin we we all use it and uh, sure. no, no, and so it's uh you know it's it's problematical to say just because it has a component of cyanide that uh, that it's toxic i don't uh, i don't 100% believe that but,
3: oh, I agree. I, I, I agree. I'm just saying that um, you know, you might somebody might want to eat a whole half a bag of apricot pits. So it may not necessarily be the best thing to do, like in one sitting. That's all I'm trying to point out.
2: Yeah, uh, may- maybe, yeah. maybe. Okay, yeah. I, I'll 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 grant you that. Um, okay. <laughs> so so what uh, what has been your uh, what has been your response? I mean, how how have people responded to your Brzezinski movie?
3: Well, the first one really exploded. And it still, to this day, remains um, the more popular one. And what happened was I told the Brzezinski story in part one, which was the whole sort of 20 to 30-year saga, sort of a biographical piece, essentially, with a lot of patients in, you know in the movie as well that I interviewed and a, a host of archival footage. But since the success of the first one, my inbox kept filling up with people with cancer asking me about this. And I said to them, you know, it's not my place to tell you what to do. But if you decide to go down this road, I would love to stay in touch and follow you. So what, I, what part two, what I did is, it's a very modern story where I rolled the dice and said, okay, I'm going to follow this handful of patients, um, from beginning to end. You know, and whatever the outcome, I'm going to document it. So the, I had many patients in the film, but the four that I followed closest or two young girls in their 20s, both with incurable brain tumors, and two children um, with incurable brain tumors. Brzezinski, it's a longer story, but Brzezinski concentrates a lot on brain cancer patients. It's just sort of how the chips fell, because most people diagnosed with brain cancer knowing there's nothing for them. Those are the first people in line at the Brzezinski Clinic. The people that have liver, lung, et cetera, they tend to go through the usual route and then go to him at the last minute. Yeah. The point is that he usually sees a lot of fresh brain cancer patients before they've been destroyed by all the conventional therapy because there's no, there's no conventional therapy that's ever cured these types of tumors right. before. Anyway, so, and so the short of it is the two adults were um, cancer-free at the end of it and the two kids uh, passed away. And I showed both of those in the story.
2: And, I've got to, uh, I've, I've, I've got to kind of interrupt you here for just a moment. If you just hold that thought, um, because we're coming up on another short break. Uh, okay. Uh, we're we're um, we're talking with uh, Eric Merilla, uh producer director of the new film Second Opinion. Uh, this is the Power of Natural Healing. I'm Howard Strauss, your host. We're brought to you by Gerson Health Media at gersonmedia.com uh where um, where you can uh, find out all kinds of great information about maintaining recovering and uh spreading your good health around um, there are there are lots of good things you can do with that uh, website well also if you leave us your email address we can notify you of uh, new of, of guests of uh new books new DVDs and uh, new products that we carry on our website www.gersonmedia.com We'll be back with Eric Merilla in just a moment. Please stay with us.
1: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
4: Sit back. Close your eyes. Relax. Have you explored the possibilities of yoga? It transcends time, space, and culture. It has healing properties, and it can be done by anyone. Tune in to Yoga Begins Now with Mark and Heather Cherie Titus. Mark and Heather are the team behind the Sedona Yoga Festival. Our program will bring yoga out of the studio and into your life with lively discussions, special guests, and an in-depth exploration of modern yoga. Yoga begins now. Join us every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. How is your health? Do you want to know more about it?
2: Welcome back to The Power of Natural Healing, brought to you by Gerson Health Media at gersonmedia.com. I'm Howard Strauss, your host. We're talking with Eric Merilla, director and producer of uh, Second Opinion, which is uh, another documentary that he has done uh, based on on the uh, deception and fraud of the conventional medical industry, especially around cancer. Uh, his first one being Brzezinski, the movie, which is a fantastic movie, and I recommend it highly to everyone. Uh, Eric, you were talking about having decided to uh, film some people from from scratch and see how they how the whole treatment uh, progressed.
3: Correct. So I, while well, I covered lots of different aspects of the story, I still constantly intertwined, you know, going back and updating on these uh, these patients and. And so, as I was saying, the two adults I followed um, were cancer-free at the end of their therapy, and the two children were not. The two children specifically, uh, were, had what was called a DIPG or it's a diffuse intrinsic pontine glioma. It's a tumor that occurs within the brainstem, stem and it's only about 400 kids a year in the U.S. are diagnosed with it and 100% of them are dead within two years. Um, maybe a couple live beyond two years, but there's no conventional therapy that has ever cured it. There's no therapy that approved for this condition. It's, it's just a black hole. It's a terrible therapy, uh, terrible uh, diagnosis to be uh, given, especially of course when you're a parent with your child. So um, Brzezinski has cured, over the considering how rare it is. Um, he obviously has put a lot of uh, time and money and effort into clinical testing into this particular one because there's no other available option for these kids. So why not let it be anti neoplastons? So um, he, he's cured about three dozen kids of this disease um, when mainstream medicine has cured none and all of these people can be tracked and found. Yeah. So he put a lot of focus on that. So um, the two kids that died did have that particular tumor type. However, there's another kid that I included to show the power of this therapy who was the youngest kid ever to receive this medication. I believe the girl was only four to six months old. I found all the archival footage from the 90s when the parents were going down to Houston to be treated. The short of it is, you know, this kid's tumor was taking up the entire brainstem, they already had the death certificate released before the kid was dead by the oncologist oh my because they God. said he's not going. To, yeah, he's not going to live. The father uh, is a Los Angeles police officer, and they said to him, "You know, we know that you're a police officer. You're going to be inclined to do CPR on your child. Do not do it. Let the child die." So he took a chance, went to Brzezinski a year later, cancer free, the kid, Tori Moreno, still alive today, fourteen years old. I have her in the film as well. So it's you know, so and so I, I really focused on this in the film, this this particular tumor type because this is his only considering the obstacles he's up against, this is his the most probable way to get anti on the market is to get it approved for this particular condition. Now what is interesting side effect of getting approval for one condition is, under the FDA's own laws, you can, any oncologist can prescribe antineoplastons for any type of cancer if the patient wants it, off what is called off-label. And the industry is very aware of this, knowing that he has such success in this childhood tumor, a VIPG, they are doing everything in their power and have and continue to do to, to stop this from occurring because they know the larger picture means it's on the market. For anyone, even though insurance might not cover it, say you have liver cancer, you want anti your insurance will not cover it because it's approved only for this brain
2: tumor type. Well, isn't, isn't that, isn't that a, a terribly cynical and destructive uh, thing to do? I mean, if they know yeah. it works, and, and mm-hmm. then to do everything in their power, everything in their power, including in training the government in, uh, in this effort, uh, to, to suppress and destroy someone who's actually, uh, curing, uh, these diseases.
3: I'll take you one further. Um, so once he finished phase two trials and was given permission for final phase three randomized studies to have it approved for this condition, again, I have the email, I have all the documentation that showed the FDA gave him permission. He approached, his institute approached 300 hospitals, mostly children's hospitals, across the United States. Canada and the United Kingdom and to have these hospitals at least three hospitals participate in these trials the hospitals would make money because they would be paid to do the trials and all 300 of them and this includes you just do the math you know say Jude's, all these children's hospitals you can think of refused to participate in the first clinical trial in medical history to ever have previously cured this tumor type so that gives you and I and it that gives you an idea of how big and how strong the tentacles are because they were scared out of Saying scared into saying no, we won't. We, we were not interested in this. Right? So the point is, is that your welfare in the system is irrelevant. It's only what the bottom line is and what works within the establishment. And I think that the word establishment is quite appropriate because it has been established and is not meant for change. And uh, you know all this Obama hope for change. If anybody hasn't opened their eyes and realized what a pile of crap that is, it is
2: because yeah. uh, because Mr. Obama if you recall made a big thing about having organic food in his uh in, in the back uh lawn of the of the White House uh mm-hmm. and being eating organic food and demonstrating organic food but then uh, he he goes and ap- uh, ap- appoints Tom Vilsack uh, a Monsanto shill to be the head of the uh of the USDA the Department of Agriculture yeah. uh doing his best to destroy uh, organic agriculture uh, and destroy small farmers, and he, and, and he underlines it by appointing Michael, uh, Taylor to be the number two man there, uh, and enforce all the regulations that he, as a vice president of Monsanto, uh, wrote to destroy small farmers. Yep, that's correct. So you know, the, the please, cynicism yes. is, uh, is, is legion, is legendary, and, uh, and I don't know what we can do about it.
3: It's really hard. I mean, I think, we we no longer live in a free market economy. If it's a free market, Brzezinski would be free to market. Yeah, <laughs> you right. Know? So it's a it's a monopoly. Uh, it's, a, it's sort of like monopoly capitalism, you know, where and it, it, within the system, everything can be purchased from politicians to CEOs to anyone can be purchased. In fact, Ralph Moss tried to be bought off by the American Cancer Society when he published the Cancer Industry. I can talk about that later. But the point is, is that when you have a system where anything can be bought. The whole thing is irrelevant. I mean, you, you can't have any faith in that. You know what I mean? So, uh, Absolutely. here's a perfect example. Kathy Dalkopper was a, a congresswoman, one time, one-term congresswoman from Pennsylvania. And uh, back in 2010, 2011, she introduced a bill into Congress that said if you can prove using your local doctor that you have good heart rate you're not overweight you're not an alcoholic you don't smoke etc you can prove that you're a healthy human being um, you can get discounts on your health insurance and the want <laughs> this bill was blocked at every direction and did you want to know who the two biggest lobbying groups that blocked this bill are
2: <laughs> well certainly the certainly the um, insurance industry,
3: Well, I'll tell you, it blew my mind. The American Cancer Society and the American Heart Association blocked this bill. So these two entities that put ads on TV promoting health blocked a bill that would promote the health of Americans.
2: (laughs) That would actually reward the health of Americans.
3: (laughs) Right, right. So, uh, I mean, you can come up with all sorts of conspiratorial excuses for this, but, I mean, it sounds to me like these two agencies, have no interest whatsoever in Americans being healthy because there's no money in a healthy population.
2: Well, consider Not that in- consider <laughs> that the American Cancer Society was financed originally by uh, Rockefeller, mm-hmm. and Rockefeller yeah. also financed Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Research Center. So, it's, it stands to reason that uh, the same kind of logic, the same kind of twisted, the uh, cynical logic. That drives uh, that that drives Brzezinski and um, and the Laetril cover up uh, drives that as well.
3: You know, on top of that, you know, the system rewards that kind of behavior. You are rewarded. I'm sure the American Cancer Society, American Heart Association, will rewarded in some way by blocking this bill. You know, people are rewarded by you know blocking new competing technologies um, that compete with their bottom line so if you squash say therapy a so your company can make another six billion they throw a party for you i mean it's there's no conscience in any of it yeah it's <laughs> sort of like but, hey, it, it, started, it's like wall street all these guys are rewarded for their corrupt behavior look at the wolf of wall street a lovely movie but oh my god what a terrible human being and he was greatly rewarded for that behavior so i'll stop there so
2: right <clears throat> and that's yeah. and that's the bottom line the end uh, the end result of untrammeled uh, capitalism is that yeah. if the bottom line means and it means everything then all other considerations such as ethics compassion uh, hunger uh, disease health uh, all everything else becomes very secondary and you ha- and you do whatever you have to do to make uh, millions even billions of dollars and everybody claps and applauds
3: I agree. I think, going back to what we can do about it, I think overall the population needs to have lose all faith in the system. I would frankly like to see no one show up to the presidential polls. No one. Because it's it's an irrelevant office. It does nothing. And you look at all the politicians, none of these people have scientific backgrounds, yet they're making scientific decisions. They're all lawyers. They're, they're, They're trained in the art of debate. So whoever's the better arguer wins the debate. Fact. Is
2: irrelevant <laughs> and, and then on top of it now now that you have uh, now that you have uh, uh, oceans of money, waves, oceans tides of money uh, influencing uh, influencing the political process uh, and no mm-hmm. limit on it uh, then that yeah. means the richest person wins and you end up with uh, all, all wealth um, concentrated into uh, a, a couple of very very cynical hands. That's true. which and is well so on our way. we are I, I think we're I think we're on our if we if we don't reverse this and reverse this trend and soon uh, the United States is going in the way of a dodo because there's is. there is no freedom there is no uh, there is no rule of law there is no um, no fairness no nothing uh, all there is is a, a few oligarchs with whips.
3: You're right, and if anybody, and going back to this, um, science is just a wonderful thing. Uh, this, the idea of the scientific method is a beautiful, uh, pretty much indestructible sort of construct. And if if people just approached this whole issue using that method, meaning you test and retest, well, let's look at an example. Uh, we have a new president that everybody had hope, you know, and we, you know, and let's let's, and nothing's nothing's changed.
2: And nothing's then we'll changed. we I... the
3: next president. You always, you always but,
2: change. it changed. It's changed, but for the worse.
3: Right. If yet somehow people haven't realized that nothing is going to change unless the system itself changes. You know. So, uh, and we have
2: to. We, and we have to. We have to take a, a brief break here again. Our last one, um, uh, Eric. If you could uh, just hold on to that thought for a moment. Um, sure. This is Howard Strauss. Uh, we're uh, where the power of natural healing. We're brought to you by Gerson Health Media at gersonmedia.com. dot com. We're talking to Eric Merla a uh, fantastic and uh wonderful friend of the show, personal friend and the producer director of uh Second Opinion uh about the about the cynical uh actions of Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Research Center in suppressing the the best research of their own researcher uh, when he found that it actually worked, uh, that he found substance that actually worked against cancer. And uh, that is uh, that is apparently a no-no in this country. So stay with us. Uh, we'll be back right after this short break. Uh, once again, The Power of Natural Healing uh, brought to you by Gerson Health Media. Please stay with us.
1: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Step by step, you made it through the journey
0: of pregnancy. Now your baby is in your arms, and you're on the cusp of a new journey, breastfeeding. As a new parent, you receive a lot of advice, much of it conflicting, some of it outdated. Tune into Born to be Breastfed with host Marie Biancuzo to bust through the myths about feeding your baby. Marie and her guests will help you figure out what you can expect and put you on the best and surest path on your breastfeeding journey. Listen every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.
1: Every day we face struggles and issues concerning addiction, whether it's ourselves, family members, friends, or other loved ones. On Overcoming Addiction, Hope with Prevention, Intervention, and Treatment, Dr. Joe Terhar helps us all better understand the causes and approaches to addressing addiction with the knowledge that no single approach is 100% effective. From guest experts, families, and addicts, you'll hear about what is and is not working in overcoming addiction. Tune in Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness.
2: Thanks for staying with us, folks. We're brought to you by Gerson Health Media at gersonmedia.com. I'm Howard Strauss, your host. We're talking to Eric Merilla, who just completed uh, his film Second Opinion and is getting set to release it. Um, Eric, is there any way that people can uh, get a preview of this or see it or purchase it? or Where does it go from here? Sure. I just released
3: it uh, very recently, and you can watch Second Opinion. Uh, You can first visit SecondOpinionFilm.com, and that's all spelled out, not used with a number. That's
2: SecondOpinionFilm.com. Correct. Okay.
3: And we have Blu-rays and DVDs available. Uh, Ralph also, I forgot to mention, being such a great writer, he wrote a brand-new book as a companion guide to this film uh, called Doctored Results. That goes very deep into the details that a documentary couldn't possibly cover all of uh, as well. So we offer that. And you can watch it instantly. We are using the wonderful new service of Vimeo On Demand. You can rent or purchase the film. But not only would you, does the DVD have the film, uh, which is 75 minutes, I include 12 extra chapters that are about 74 minutes, so it's about 150 minutes uh, of running time total. I go into all of these other areas that many people probably would have questions about watching the film. As, as you can imagine, a story like this Ends up with more questions than answers. Uh, so I tried my best to, to compensate for that. Um, for instance, you know, while they were studying laetrile, they were also trying to get something called these toxins off the ground within phone kettering. It's a whole nother therapy that over a hundred years ago cured about a thousand people. They've got the original 1908 New York Times covering this. Uh, there's that. There's the, the, the government's uh, ability or uh, efforts to try to Turn Laetrile into a toxic therapy. They 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 hosted their own fake clinical trials. Essentially, um, there's all these other places that the Laetrile story went. Anyway, so you get whether you buy it on DVD, Blu-ray, or watch it on demand, you get all of that. And uh, also, on top of that, the lovely Food Matters channel, which is now fmtv.com, they uh, are carrying both of my Krasinski movies as well as Second Opinion uh, on their channel. It's sort of like a new, it's sort of a Netflix for health and wellness, a very brilliant idea. They have over 300 films. I'm very excited to be a part of their uh, lineup. Um, so you can go to fmtv.com uh, sometime in late March uh, when it's finally up. As well, and Brzezinski, of course, can be obtained um, going to BrzinskyMovie dot com, um, B U R Z Y N S K I Movie as well.
2: And folks, I want you to I want you to go and actually look into these movies because uh, um, because Eric Merrillah is one heck of a filmmaker. Um, I have great great respect for him. He's thorough. He's clear. Uh, he really has a, he has a heart and a soul and and integrity. And uh, here's a man that I'm proud to say is my friend, I'm very proud to say he's my friend. Um, Thanks, so, so, you. so really, uh, you know, go, go, uh, go check into his work. The uh, Brzezinski, the movie, um, uh, Second Opinion. I mean, there's uh, there's great stuff that he has been involved in, uh, and even one that uh, unfortunately he does. I can't, uh, I can't mention. Uh, but 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 is even uh, you know is another fantastic movie. Um, so so um, so so Eric, yeah, you 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 said in passing something. I uh, just just a brief a brief mention. Um, you said that they tried to buy uh, Ralph Moss off. Um, can you can you just give me a few words on that?
3: Sure. You know, as you can imagine, um, when this thing exploded, this was before the Internet. I wonder if this whole thing would have turned out differently if we had the Internet back then. But Ralph wrote this book. He, was a, he got a big publishing deal. He was in all the bookstores. He was this sort of a whirlwind promotional campaign. And uh, 60 Minutes approached him, that TV show, and he wanted to do a full hour on this book and, his, and Ralph's story. And then American Cancer Society went to work and blocked 60 Minutes from doing that. And then shortly after... Ralph gets a phone call from the, from the, a vice president of American Cancer Society asking to lunch. And the, the short of it is they said, you know, you're, Ralph, your book is hurting us. Our donations are down. You know, you're a very talented writer. We could throw a lot of work your way. We can pay you handsomely. Why don't you come work for us? You know, and, you know of course, in exchange for stop doing what he's doing. Right. And, of course, he declined that. Um, and uh, in fact, I have this in the movie and the DVD extras. He sort of said it was sort of like a bad Woody Allen joke. He said, "Are you kidding me? It would take hundreds of dollars to buy me." You know? <laughs> <laughs> <And> of, course, <laughs> and of course, the guy was ready to get out the checkbook, you know. And, right. Uh, said, well, I it down. <laughs>
2: yeah, um, but but uh, but this is how they handle it. And and, and you know that the uh, the American Cancer Society is one of the uh, richest uh one of the, the 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 richest charities out there and also one of the least effective least efficient and they have billion dollars in the bank and this is not supposed to happen and they don't and they also don't do any primary research I had a conversation with the medical director, with the assistant medical director there, and he said, we don't do any primary research. After making sure that I wasn't able to record or you know nothing was in writing, nothing was recordable, um, he said, we we don't do uh, primary research. So basically, they are a lobbying organization, and they're supported by the pharmaceutical industry. And, w- and you know w- what they get, and they're private. And what they get for, uh, what they get from, and and they're, they have a dozen top executives who get a million dollars each. Um, and w- what they, what they get from uh, people with the donations they get from people, and the you know in quarters and dimes and things like that, it's it's all gravy, because they get their bulk of their uh, of their money from uh, pharmaceutical companies who can then deduct it as a contribution, and then they go lobby against. Um, alternative medicines uh, that would hurt the profits of the um, of the of the drug companies. So they are just uh, you know totally uh, totally unethical on every level that you can imagine. Um, yep. But like I say, they were uh, initially funded by the Rockefeller uh, Foundation uh, by John D. Sure. Rockefeller. Uh, and, and again, dope, when you dope. consider that they were, they've been around for a century, at the beginning mm-hmm. of that century, cancer was a far less than one in twenty, uh, sorry, far less than one in fifty problem. One in, less than one in fifty people got cancer in their lifetime. Uh, mm-hmm. and today, it's a one in 2.3 and rapidly rising. So you gotta ask, uh, uh, have they done a good job in, in their purported, um, in their purported goal? Of reducing cancer? No. Or curing cancer? No, not at all. Have they done a good job in increasing cancer and increasing the profits of pharmaceutical companies? A fantastic job. So That's right. and they're
3: and they're rewarded for that. And and not only that, um um I'd I lost my train of thought.
2: Yeah, they <laughs> they are rewarded for for suppressing uh, a cure for cancer and they know which they know full well uh exists. And several cures. I it's not just one. There's lots of ways to approach the problem. I've never said that the Gerson therapy was the only way. I said it's a good way. Sure. It's a it's a it's a, it's a proven way. It's been around for a hundred years. It's been curing cancer for a hundred years. But I've but but uh, other there are other ways. There are other ways. And um, you know, I, I I believe in looking at results. And. And using the scientific method, and that's why our government is suppressing science in uh, in schools all across the country nowadays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Eric, we have to uh, we have to wind up here. Any last words?
3: That's it. Um, I hope people get a lot out of my films. Um, I've uh, worked very hard at them, and I stand by them one hundred percent. And uh, you know, if you've seen them, share them around and uh, help support. that I'm going to continue making them. So.
2: Well, thank you very, very much for uh, joining us and, uh, and letting our audience know about what you're doing. Uh, it's, it's fantastic work. Uh, I have the highest respect for you, and, um, and I hope to see the movie very, very soon. Um, this is Howard Strauss, uh, The Power of Natural Healing, brought to you by Gerson Health Media uh, at gersonmedia.com. We've been talking with Eric Merilla, a uh, fantastic internationally awarded director, producer of documentaries, um, Brzezinski, the movie, and now Second Opinion. Uh, and uh, and I urge you all to uh, keep your eye out for Second Opinion and uh, get it, watch it, and spread it around if you possibly can. Uh, join us again next week when we'll have another fantastic guest. Don't know which one yet, but uh, we we have great guests, as you know. And um, and we look forward to your joining us for next week's program as well. Once again, Howard Strauss, the power of natural healing. Thanks, thanks for listening, folks. Uh, I uh, uh, I appreciate your uh, your comments.